0: Get your kids off that internet. Really monitor cell phone use. You know, as parents, band together and see what's going on in our schools. What are children being taught? What are they, you know, as much as you can be present, you know, be present in that school, volunteering in the classroom, you know, driving on field trips. The things that you can hear when you're driving a car loaded full of kids that are just chitter chatting, thinking that mom driving the car isn't paying any attention when, of course, her mom radar is like up like that.
1: Outstanding is a production of the Washington Stand where you can find news and commentary from a biblical Worldview. Welcome to Outstanding, where we have critical conversations about the news of the day and the ideas that shape us. I'm your host, Joseph Backholm. Now, one thing observers of culture understand is that media is a powerful tool used to change the way people feel about topics or issues. Now, way back when, some of you will remember when Murphy Brown was used to advance the cause of feminism. And destigmatize single motherhood. It was scandalous indeed at the time. My, how things have changed. In addition, characters in same sex relationships were prominently displayed in media in an attempt to soften the ground for the political campaign to redefine marriage. And of course, more recently, the same approach has been used in the gender war as well. Now, according to the Washington Post, Quote, trans filmmakers are showing their movies at Sundance. trans musicians are winning Grammys, and trans writers are best-selling authors. Popular video games such as The Sims 4 allow players to create trans characters, end quote. So we can see how this script is working out in media as it's used to soften the ground for yet another political advance by the sexual revolution. Now, The results of this have not simply been to make the world kinder for people struggling with mental and emotional problems, but the celebration and exaltation of a trans identity has convinced a lot of people that a trans identity is the solution to their pain. As a result, we've seen an explosion in the number of people claiming this trendy new identity, particularly among young people. Now, a review of some of the numbers the number of medical appointments related to gender identity disorder rose from 14,000 in 2016 to over 38,000 in 2022. Now, the majority of those patients, of course, were between the ages of 19 and 30 years old. That's nearly a tripling in the number of just appointments around this. Now, in addition, according to reports from state Medicaid agencies, New diagnoses of gender dysphoria among 6 to 17-year-olds likewise tripled from 2017 to 2021. In 2017, there were about 15,000 diagnoses. By the time 2021 rolled around, there were 42,000 diagnoses in that year. So we've seen a tremendous increase. But as a result, there is now another group who is growing in visibility, and that is, perhaps ironically, the detransitioners. These are the young people who were caught up in the social contagion that began in earnest around 2015, who have since decided it was all a big mistake. Why was it a big mistake? Why did their feelings change when they were so sure only a couple years previously? My guest today is the co-author of a new book called Detransitioner Diaries, which tells the stories of these people and their families. Jennifer Law is, among other things, the founder and president of the Center for Bioethics and Culture Network, as well as the co-author of Detransitioner Diaries. And she joins me now. Jennifer, thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, first, let's get to know you a little bit, and I want to get into this book and just kind of the work that you're doing here, but uh, how did you become someone who uh, cares about this issue and ends up writing a book about detransitioners?
0: Well, for those who don't know me or my work, um, I was a pediatric critical care nurse for many, many, many years, so I always had a really keen interest in children's health and obviously medical ethics. So when I founded the Center for Bioethics and Culture after studying um, bioethics in graduate school, I was concerned with the direction that medicine was headed. And I'm sure many of your listeners can probably think of many ways that medicine has gone wrong. And I was happy working in the space of assisted reproductive technology for many years and then i found out that children before they're transitioned in quote or put puberty blockers or cross sex hormones are offered fertility preservation as part of their treatment and i use treatment lightly so they're offered to freeze and bank their ova egg or sperm because we know that transgender medicine destroys fertility and that's when um, our organization decided to weigh in heavily. And we produce actually three documentaries on the transgender debate. Um, transmission, what's a rush to reassign gender? Um, then the Detransition Diaries, which is focused only on women who de-tran- detransition, And then we just released The Lost Voice Searching for Manhood, which looks at young men who thought that their problems could be solved if they lived as women. When we were about to release the Detransition Diaries documentary, we were approached by Ignatius Press to write a book, um, which, we, which we agreed to do, which is why the book is out. Um, but it gave us, you know, in a film, you don't have the luxury that you do in a book to really take a deep dive into how did we get here. So, um, you know, we've released the Lost Boys three weeks ago. It's already been translated into Spanish and Polish. The book has just come out. I mean, we're trying to make as big of a splash as we can, um, raising the alarms and saying, you know, physicians do no harm. Please stop doing this to children and young adults.
1: Well, hopefully we are going to help you make a big splash here with this, because these are important stories that need to be told. And and you mentioned there kind of the first book that you had on this subject, what is the rush to redefine gender? And do you have an answer to that? Because I think that's a good foundation for the conversation that we're going to have here about those who have since come to regret their decisions.
0: Yeah. Just as a matter of clarification, the Transmission um, Project was a film. Um, okay. And so clearly one of, one of the pediatric endocrinologist experts that we interview in that film, Dr. Quentin Van Meter, um, talks about the rush is that uh, the whole gimmick, if you will, is about passing, you know, being able to pass as a man, being able to pass as a woman, as a woman being able to pass as a man. And if you look at people like Bruce Jenner, you know, he clearly doesn't pass as a woman. I mean, everybody who sees Bruce Jenner goes, oh, that's a man who's dressed like a woman. And so the rush is if you can block puberty, if you can put children early on these hormones, they will have a better chance of passing because they won't develop. You know, their bone structure won't develop a, pu- per, a particular way, their Adam's apple, their voice, you know, their their body hair. So the, the rush is in the effort of, um, Allowing these children to pass.
1: And that's an important point to understand because, you know, I'm one who starts with the assumption that most people have good intentions. And I don't think there's a ton of sociopaths in the world, but this issue, when you have people who are trying to, what we would describe as kind of rush them into this process, it sounds like from their perspective, like this is the only solution to their problem, but their life will actually be easier if we do it earlier, because then they will actually more closely resemble the opposite gender. And therefore their path to happiness will be uh, more assured. Is that generally the logic that they're operating under?
0: Yeah, I mean, these are people that, um, you know, again, to be charitable, they will acknowledge that this child has some kind of body dysmorphia, they're uncomfortable in their physical appearance, or they hate their body. Young girls are always prone to hating their bodies. That's why they, you know, you see anorexia and cutting and tattooing and piercing. So to be charitable, they actually believe that this is, you know, a a solution and that this will help these children. They also are ideologues in that they don't agree and believe in true biology. And they will say things like, you know, you can be born in the wrong body. You can change sex. Um, You know, the jig is up. They will no longer say things like... um, It doesn't damage your fertility because you would quickly say, well, then why are you offering fertility preservation to these these young boys and girls or young men and women? Um, You know, the jig will soon be up on if we don't allow them to do this, they'll kill themselves. You know, that's another talking point where we have to let them do this or their distress will lead lead them down to suicide. And that's not, you know, of course, bearing out in, in the literature and the data and what's clearly going on is these children overwhelmingly have several comorbidities you know they're either on the autistic spectrum they've been bullied they're from a you know they've been abused you know they've had some kind of um you know insult whether it be physical sexual abuse in the home or outside the home Um, So, you know, we, we aren't addressing all these other issues, which is what proper medicine should do. You know, why is this child experiencing these feelings? Yes, acknowledge these feelings, but why are they experiencing these feelings?
1: And for more on that conversation, I'll re- recommend to our audience that they go back and find the episode we did with Walt Heyer, who uh, argues that there is no such thing as gender dysphoria. And that's essentially all I'll tease for that for now. But it is a very interesting conversation about the the origin of gender dysphoria. And Walt Heyer, for those who don't know, is, is uh, a man who lived as a woman for, I believe it was 11 years before himself detransitioning. And he now runs a website where he engages with thousands of people who are having sex change regret. So go look at that about the foundation of this entire issue. Um, He has a very unique and important perspective on that. But Jennifer, uh, to your uh, movie documentary slash book that is now out, Detransitioner Diaries, I'm interested in how you found the stories of these people. Did they come to you? Or did you guys have to go find people who wanted to tell their stories?
0: Um, really, neither, because you know I'm I'm quite active on social media, and there is quite a few. There's quite a few detransitioners. are very outspoken on social media. Um, Benjamin Boyce runs a podcast where he interviews a lot of detransitioners, so I kind of picked be- Benjamin Boyce's, you know, brain on, you know, when you make a film, you obviously want a compelling story, you want somebody who's articulate, and two, you want somebody who's willing to be in a film, and a lot of people aren't, one, wanting to put their face in a film, because that lives on and on and on forever, Um so it was really easy to find people that were very active speaking out against their experience. So we just approached them. And if they agreed, you know, we told them what we were about. And you know, we sent them, you can watch our previous films. We aren't gotcha filmmakers. You know, we are on your side. We want you to have the the time and the space to tell your story um, to the audience. And so, um, you know, we had... we. Presented three detransitioners women in the detransition diaries film. We presented five males in The Lost Boys, which has just come out. And in the book, we have a, a combination of women and man stories. Um, at first, when Ignatius Press asked us to write the book, we didn't have the the male film on our radar. And when they found out we were in production on the the Lost Boy, searching for manhood, they said, "Oh, please include some male stories." <laughs> so we had to go back and add stories, um, which we were happy to do because obviously it made the the book readership more broad, um, to not just focus on the, the condition or the situation of young girls, but also men. And it, we. It's interesting, maybe your audience will um, appreciate this. We weren't planning to make The Lost Boys, but it was parents that came to us when the Detransition Diaries came out because it was focused on girls. And when parents were clamoring, please tell the son son stories, the boy stories. The boys are lost in this debate. You know, boys are seen as, oh, they're perverts, they have fetishes. Um, uh, And we thought, wow, we... We want to we want to let them speak. Um, and the the film, The Lost Voices, is an all male cast. We have male experts, psychiatrists, psychologists, um, dads, a dad of a trans identifying son, um, and of course the male voices that are the detransition voices. And you know the girls and the men have similar issues, whether they're autistic on the spectrum, OCD, bullying. Um, Uh, you know some kind of trauma in their past but what's unique to boys that isn't the situation of girls is boys have this thing called puberty that really hits boys much differently than it hits women or girls and and young men today and boys are hearing these messages of rape culture misogyny um you know you're just uh you know toxic masculinity. So you know boys are getting all these messages of men are bad, and then they hit puberty and they have these natural you know desires and feelings, and they all of a sudden go from a goofy little boy to this young boy at school that's like got raging hormones, and he's hearing these messages I'm I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, and so some of these boys think, oh well, I'll just become a girl then. And that will, you know, I won't be one of those bad men that goes out and hurts women or harms harms women.
1: That's a very interesting explanation for it. And, and, um, you know, I want to dig a bit more into this because you have the unique perspective of having talked to a range of people who have had this experience and in, in a range of different contexts and they're all individuals. And so their lives have been different what are the themes that you noticed as you had as you heard these stories as you let people tell their stories were there threads of commonality that you started to notice and patterns in people's lives or was
0: every situation just completely unique on um, both There are obviously surely are um, themes. I mean, one of the themes or commonalities for for young girls and young men, more so with men, is the role of pornography and access to pornography. Um, You know, of my generation, we didn't have access like these young people have today. Um, So there's this overwhelming access to pornography, the access to the internet, is a huge theme. You know, where do you go when you're a young child and you're confused, you go to the internet, you go to Google, and the next thing you know, you're in Reddit and you're in all these, you know, chat rooms and you find your community. You all of a sudden have the sense of, oh, these are my friends, and they're actually people you've never even met. And you don't even know if they're really who they tell you they are. You know, they might tell you they're a 14 year old boy and they're a 50 year old man. So there's that area of just that, the, the darkness that happens when children have way too much access to internet use, so those are themes across the board. You um, know, this is a a, a more middle class affluent situation that you know that trans identifying youth are not you know necessarily children of poverty or children of third world countries. This is kind of a privilege. So there's a little bit of that. Um, you know, one of the young girls talks about how she was you know a white privileged young girl, and so for her to all of a and not be seen as the, you know, the the horrible person, the oppressor, she changed her pronouns, and she immediately got more social credit. And then she decided to say, well, I'm going to change my name, I'm going to have a boy name now, and I'm going to become, you know, gender fluid. And all these things gave her social credit, so she was no longer seen as the white oppressor in her, you know, her peer and her social group. So I think those are things that, you know, children of you know 10 and 20 years ago weren't dealing with. It. they weren't online all the time they didn't have quick access to horrible pornography and there wasn't the sense that you know um if you're a particular race or sex you're an oppressor
1: that's a really interesting explanation as well and i've never thought about this and you, you've kind of raised an issue here about this being a class issue and how it's something that happens in the middle and upper classes, uh, you offered one explanation there of, you know, people who have been told that they're the oppressors are trying to escape that status. Do you think that explains most of the the class difference that you've observed?
0: Well, I'm always afraid to say most because I'm a real, you know, as a, a, a nurse, I'm, I'm data driven. <laughs> yeah. You know I will just say it's one of the confounding um, um comorbidities it's one of many
1: what would the others be what 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 are the other explanations that you may have observed that might explain why there's a class difference because that's not intuitive to me at all well,
0: I do think that some of it is just, you know, um, rigid cultural social norms. You know, one of the young men in the detransition diaries thought he was being helpful one day when his mother was struggling with packages and he picked up his mother's purse to carry it. And he was immediately mocked and ridiculed by family members because he was a young boy carrying a purse. You know, those sorts of things. When I think, you know, that's, that's a relatively new phenomenon. And I think that's a class issue. I I think, you know, if you know, if you're a, a low income impoverished child, you know, you wouldn't be admonished for helping, you know, your mother carry things. You would probably be admonished if you didn't help her carry things. Um so, you know, it's hard to say. And also, um, you know, there is the influence of just social media influencers that that's um I think at play here too. You know, we have for for the young boys, we have the Andrew Tates and the Jordan Petersons and the Joe Rogans and there's this whole gym bro culture and what if you don't like the gym and what if you don't like to do rough and tumble sports and what if you like the arts and you want to play in the orchestra the symphony or or, or whatever and the same for girls you know there was a great book written a couple of years back now called tomboy you know that girls are you know it's funny that we become so progressive and enlightened and that we should be out of these kind of rigid social stereotypes but now you know if you're a tomboy girl you know, you're told, oh, well, you must be a boy and you should transition because you can't be a young girl that wants to work on a construction crew and, you know, wear a hard hat and climb up electrical wires and <laughs> and work for the electrical company. So and, and I think another thing that's at play is just the language. I don't like this word gender. It's sex, you know, and even conservatives, you know, they have their gender reveal parties when they're having a baby. I'm like you're not revealing a gender you're really you're re- revealing you're going to have a boy or a girl and and the gender you know of that boy or girl well for me it's kind of a meanious, meaningless made-up word anyway <laughs> what is you know try to get your hands on gender what does that mean um you know because i might be a tomboy girl who also likes the ballet so what gender am i then
1: Uh, yeah, these are interesting questions. And and I think one of the – I have heard good debates within even the kind of pro-reason and pro-science community about whether sex and gender are the same things or not. And and I – I mean, those who accept them as different categories are not necessarily always committed to the idea that uh, boys can become girls and vice versa. Um, But like you, it does feel cleaner to me um, if we just – say it's sex, not gender, but gender is a thing. And I, I don't want to dig into that right now. But yeah, it's it's a fair question. Um, but, you know, you've mentioned significantly the influence of social media on these uh, young people that you've interviewed, and that seems to be a consistent theme. But that's not the only input people are getting. And if you can't transition, certainly medically, without the input of medical professionals on some level, and I don't even know if we should put medical professionals in that context in square in scare quotes, um, because at what point do you cease to be a medical professional and just an activist? But you also have parents involved, other adults in these children's lives. Um, where are they getting their the advice that is like persuading him. Is this something where they get convinced on social media? So they go to the doctor and the doctor just rubber stamps the conviction that they've developed on social media and the medical professionals convince mom and dad? Is that kind of the pattern? Or is this like, you know, mom and dad are excited about it too, because they're already kind of ideologues, and they think that this is going to make them happy. And so the medical professionals are happy to make a buck. Is there a pattern in the relationships between these uh,
0: various roles? Yeah, I think, well, one, it is, it's coming at these kids everywhere. For one, kids that are in school, this is, they're getting this all day long in school. You know, our you know, I'm a big believer that our schools have become big indoctrination centers. Um, so, you know, if you're an awkward little kid at school, and all of a sudden you change your pronouns or say you're gender nonconforming or something, you can you get you become more popular. You have people that will sit with you at lunchtime and play with you on at recess. Um, they're getting it in the communities. You know, you can't even go anywhere without seeing all the flags everywhere. I mean, you know, used to be Pride Day and now it's Pride Month, and it's Pride, so it's inundated. Um, you know, doctors are are obviously pushing this. Therapists, I talk to a lot of parents of of children that are suffering with these these confusions, and um, you know, they don't even know where to tr- how to trust a, a therapist. You know, are you going to get a therapist who immediately says you have to affirm this you have to put them on a transition you know super highway or else your child is going to k- commit suicide so they can't trust the pediatrician they can't trust the therapist they can't trust the schools they can't touch the government because they're worried if they don't affirm they're going to have cps knocking on their door saying we're removing your children from your your home because you're an unfit parent we have a, a case in california where a, a father has lost custody and hasn't seen his son for 3 years now he has two sons and one, he sees on a regular basis. So he's not an unfit parent to see that child and be involved in that child's life. But because his other son is trans identifying and he doesn't affirm that, he's an unfit parent for that child. And, you know, and this is the dad who's fighting and has been in a you know year-long custody, years-long custody battle. Um and there's several cases like that across the United States. But I think it's 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 seeped in everywhere. And in the book we sort of unpack how what were all the things that were going on that got us to where we are today. It's not, not an exhaustive, you know, outlaying of of the, all the little breadcrumbs, but some of the big movements that got us to here with, you know, blurring gender and this gender queer and who were the big people that were pushing this. Um, and also, what was going on in medicine and other areas where medicine has gone terribly wrong? We have many, many examples of time times when medicine went really bad. And then we are living today. And I always say this is a winnable issue in our in our lifetime. You know, there's a lot of issues we've been many of us have been fighting for for years and years and years. Then we may maybe won't see one in our lifetime. I think we will see this one. And and it's the case with many of our medical scandals. It's lawsuits and it's whistleblowers. And we have a mounting number of lawsuits in the United States, and we have more and more just the other day, another, I think it's the third or the fourth big whistleblower. These are people on the inside that have been pushing this, that drank the Kool-Aid, there were ideologues, and they said, I can't do this anymore, it's wrong. So I think we're going to have this, you know, big convergence of the stories of the detransitioners, the lawsuits and the whistleblowers, and it's going to come crashing down.
1: You know, you mentioned there the parents that are in these custody disputes over this issue. And I can't help but wonder, you know, if I found myself in this situation, I'm quite sure I would have taken advantage of our wide open southern border and my child and I would now be living in some remote village in Ecuador in order to save them from this system. With no (laughs) internet. Yeah, no internet. And, you know, uh, we'll be living happy. And, uh, you know, somewhere else away from all of that, but, you know, you've done a good job kind of describing the, the pre of this process and kind of the things that these children have in common, uh, as they come to claim a transgender identity. But of course, the book you've written is The Transitioner Diaries, which means you're dealing with a with a segment uh, of the population that has identified as transgender, but now they no longer do. They are detransitioners. What are the themes
0: that you notice in those stories? Well, it's very different for the men and the, the women, young men and young women, um, uh, one of the detransitioner men told me this. He said, men get into this really fast and they get out of it really fast. So, you know, men just sort of, you know, they go to the internet and maybe that's just a male thing. You know, you see a problem, you want to fix a problem, you're going to fix it. I'm this and that and I'm going to go, I'm going to take these drugs, I'm going to do this and that's going to solve my problem. And and they're also very pragmatic and they realize right away or, you know, pretty soon after oh my gosh, I made a terrible mistake. I really had, you know, like one boy um, in the film, he was he had a huge drug and alcohol problem. And he's like, I just got to get sober. Um, you know, so he's now like three three plus years into sobriety. And he no longer thinks he's, um, you know, he's a woman. Uh, you know, two of the men had sort of faith re- reversions. You know, they had some kind of a faith tradition that they'd walked away from. And, you know, and, and their, their faith sort of helped bring them back um to to reality. Um, you know, women are different. Women, you know, the women are more social. The young girls are more social. They run in packs. You know, if Debbie's doing this, Susie does it, well then I have to do it. You know, and so it's harder for them to get out of it, and that's everybody gets out of it. Because they're more social creatures that, you know, run it. So those are two, you know, distinct differences between and and again, I don't want to speak in absolutes because there's always outliers, but you know, generically that's what we observe.
1: We also see the young ladies detransitioning impacts as
0: well. Is that a thing? Um, it it can be because um, it's like if one is bold enough to do it, then she often will have another friend. And, and Helena in the Detransition Diaries film speaks of that. You know that she and a, a girlfriend kind, and not not necessarily at the same exact time, but you know the, you know there is a sort of uh, um, courage that comes when somebody else is. Doing it, but again, men men don't run t- typically in their transition packs, um, as girls do at school. You know, you have like five little boys at school that are all like pretending to be little girls, whereas you might see that, you know, re- in in the reverse. I just want to stop it, though. I don't want any children child to go down this path, so we can study it and better understand it.
1: To that point, are there lessons that you've observed for parents? Now, for those who are not as deep into this as you have been, are there things that you've learned that you wish every parent understood about the either the social phenomenon or what's going on psychologically, how to get in front of this for kids, the right response to have uh, when a kid says, you know, this is what I think my new identity is?
0: Yeah. Um... I have, you know, I have ob- obviously, and I am a parent, and I I chose, you know, to homeschool my own children for 18 years, not because of the trans ideology, but just because I saw the, the, the nonsense that was being taught in our, our public schools. My advice to parents, one is don't panic. <laughs> Be calm. You know your child. You love your child more than anybody else. You know your child better than anybody else listen you know validate their feelings validate their concerns say we are in this together we are going to figure this out together um so you know have a real practical loving um you know mom and dad love you no matter what you know you know and I, i mean affirming in the best sense affirming the feelings that the child is having and try to understand is your child being bullied at school you know, is your child um, has your child suffered trauma that you aren't aware of? I mean, children are abused, and they parents are sometimes unaware. But the other things are just practical things. Really, get your kids off that internet. Um, really monitor cell phone use, you know, as parents band together and see what's going on in our schools. What are children being taught? What are they, you know, as much as you can be present, you know, be present in that school, volunteering in the classroom, you know, driving on field trips, the things that you can hear when you're driving a car loaded full of kids that are just chitter chatting, thinking that mom driving the car isn't paying any attention when of course her mom radar is like up like that, you know, have a real candid um, relationship you know, relationship and conversation with your kids' teachers, you know, your children's teachers. So you can just say, here's who we are as a family. Here's what we believe. Um, this is, you know, you know, how can we support you as a teacher? How can we be supportive of our child? You know, just be as present as you can keep your kids outside, get your kids outside playing outside. I mean, so many of the male D transitioners will say, get off the internet and go outside, go outside, meet real people. Um, and you know, for those extreme cases, and one of the experts we interviewed, Dr. Joe Burgo, who works solely with um, gender confused um, detransitioners, he he's one of those that would say, pick your kid up and remove them, and if that means you leave the country, remove them from the situation. Yeah. Um, and and for that brief time, so that your child can sort things out you know, and get them out of the situation in any way you can.
1: Yeah. Detoxing Uh, emotionally and mentally. I mean, that's how you recover from a lot of things. And, And I think that there's a lot of wisdom and you just have to remove the influences from their lives who are pushing them and encouraging them in a particular direction, because especially with young people, they don't know when they're thinking their thoughts or when they're thinking someone else's thoughts. And very often they're just thinking other people's thoughts, and they think they're their own thoughts. But as soon as they have the space and time to actually reflect and have some of their own thoughts, they realize maybe I do think differently about these things. But they don't even just have the maturity to understand the differences. Now, Jennifer, you have um, you're deep in this. What's the future of this? Do you, are you seeing a trend for is detransitioning becoming more common? Is it going to be is is that a movement that is picking up momentum as the social contagion of just kind of the original transition is taking place? Are there trends that you're observing in that space?
0: Yeah, it is a trending up movement of those that are waking up and realizing that this was a a, a bad decision. I mean, you just there's a, a Reddit group which is just focused on detransitioners, and you know that was grow is growing by leaps and bounds. And you have to be a detransitioner to be part of that group. You know, I can't be part. I can I can be a lurker, um, but I can't you know post and comment and engage. Uh, and so you know that. And just when you look at social media, how many more of them are speaking out? And we know that for the ones that speak out, there's many, many more that just detransition and go go back to their life. you know, that don't feel compelled or called to a social media platform to speak out. You know, those, those are, you know, unique young men and women who do feel passionate about testifying and going to hearings and and protesting and standing outside the American Academy of pediatrics with, you know, do no harm signs. Um, So, you know, of course the sad reality is that there's children right now today that are women that are having, young girls having double mastectomies and, you know, children having their puberty blocked. Um, So it it hasn't stopped, um, which grieves me because I know that, that we are, you know, permanently harming these, you know, young boys and girls, but, um, yeah, I think it's going to, the cookie's going to crumble pretty fast. And, it you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to say those words that are so hard to say, I was wrong, I was wrong. Yeah.
1: Well, honestly, the point you raised there about the uh, future where people have to admit being wrong, I think that's one of the things that makes the intensity of this issue Uh, what it is because honestly for those who have been encouraging and seeing transition as the solution in order to admit that they are wrong they are going to have to admit to sterilizing children and destroying the healthy functioning of their body these are these are medical experiments and the history of you know people who perform medical experiments for political purposes is not a list that you want to be included on. And I think most people, this is just, you know, there's no data behind this, but I just think understanding human nature very few people will be willing to make that admission because what they would have to admit about themselves and what they have done, especially when you're talking about a parent who would say, I did something that permanently harmed my child. I allowed it or encouraged it to happen. I don't think most people can do that emotionally. So they are, the gambling term is pot committed. I am so invested in my current move and my current position that i'm no longer willing to consider the possibility that i'm wrong and that phenomenon i think is has a lot to do with why we are experiencing the intensity from the parents on the other side of this because they are they have shut off the possibility that they have made a mistake because the implications of that are too terrible As either medical providers or even specifically as parents, because they would have uh, permanently harmed their children um, in pursuit of nothing that it was actually helpful because of a, you know, because of a political cause. But Jennifer, I want to um, have you look into the future a little bit. You've mentioned this a little, the solution to this. Is lawsuits going to be what ultimately ends this movement?
0: Yeah, I think it will be the lawsuits, um, the whistleblowers coming forward, you know, that are, have been on the inside and really seeing and can talk about what, what's been going on. Because, you know, we hear all the time, oh, we're not doing those surgeries at our hospital. Oh, we're not blocking puberty, uh, you know. So, you know, there's the whistleblowers, the lawsuits, and then this the growing outcry of the detransitioners and of course, you know, the the family members, the parents, I think will 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 see this come crashing down. And you know, we're in an election year. Um, you know, a lot of this will be um, perhaps, you know, helped to shut it down sooner. Uh, you know, we've seen you know several of the red states have just said we're not doing this in our state. Several of the blue states, like my state, California, we're now a sanctuary state thanks to Gavin Newsom. So, trans identifying youth from other states can come here, and you know, taxpayers will you know pay for that. So I think it will be. Um, and and I I love what they did um, as far as ending this. What they did in Florida, which was the medical professional societies in Florida. Um, said we won't do this versus a legislative act, which I actually prefer. I like doctors just saying this is not competency. This is not a standard of care. This is not the business or purview of medicine. Because, you know, legisl- the legislators change. You know, you know, Florida could flip you know and then new new sheriffs could come into town and say no we're going to do this and we're going to allow it but when the medical establishment stands up and said and says this is not the way we treat people that are struggling with mental illness or you know other other
1: issues and I hope that speaks to those in the medical profession who are listening today. Um, the greater the pressure you feel to say nothing, the more important it is that you say something. Because it is that fear of speaking the truth that allows um, bad things to happen in the world. And so um, th- there is, a, I believe, a uh, inverse relationship between the, the, the importance in, in saying something uh, to the relative to the pressure that you feel not to say yeah. something. But the the book and the documentary are Detransitioner Diaries. Jennifer, tell people where they can uh, find it.
0: Well, the book is available on Amazon, or it's also available at the publisher, Ignatius Press. And all of our films that I've talked about today are free on our YouTube channel. So the Center for Bioethics and Culture Network has a YouTube channel where you can see all of our movies. In three weeks, we've had... 65,000 people watch the film. Um, People people love free content. So we thankful thankful for our donors who allow us to make films and then we can just put them out there for free. So we hope many of you listening will get the book and watch some of the films. And
1: we will. Jennifer Law, thank you so much for your time today.
0: Thank you, Joseph
1: friends, we thank you for joining us on this journey today. If you've learned something, share with a friend because they will as well. And I do want to encourage you to check out those, uh, not only the book, The Transitioner Diaries, but also the, the content that's on the YouTube channel there. Uh, you will grow and your understanding of the world that we live in, which is important for all of us who desire to make a difference in it. I want to remind you there are new episodes released every Tuesday and Friday, which means you need to like and subscribe so that you get the next one sent to you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, If you want to suggest a topic, email me at outstanding at washingtonstand.com. It's always a pleasure to hear from you and have that conversation. Enjoyed it. Looking forward to the next one. My name is Joseph Backholm, and this has been Outstanding. Outstanding is a production of The Washington Stand, where you can find news and commentary from a biblical worldview.